I think we're going to rename this uh, Will Wade Unfiltered. Take my orders from Kent. I'm not going to say what I want to say. I, I, I can't say it. I thought about changing to some of our junk defenses. Um, but I knew from their press conference they were prepared for the junk defenses. Off to a bad start on uh, the latest episode of Boot Up, the LSU Basketball Podcast. Cody Worsham, digital media reporter for LSU Athletics, who did not update the intro. You got the uh, intro from the Will Wade Unfiltered. This is not a Will Wade Unfiltered. This is Cody Worsham and Harrison Valentine. Harrison, how are you? A general by the name of Frank William Wade once said, the best views come from the roughest climbs. And the Tigers on a tough stretch right now, but I do have a feeling that they're going to get a lot better from here on out, and I'm excited to start a new win streak. How about you? Look, I, I'm good, man. I I know people are, uh, well, two things. One, as, uh, as I've seen on my social media, I know that my job is to polish the turd, okay? And I also know that I'm state media, as Will always calls me. Maybe I'll go back and edit the intro and put in all those state media shout outs. I've just stopped going to press conferences now, so I don't get called out. But look, LSU's 15 and four. They're three and four. They're on a three game losing streak. Um, there are problems. We are aware of the problems, Harrison. I'm also aware that this is the toughest seven game stretch, maybe of any team in the country. And that from the outset, I said, if LSU goes three and four or four and three to this stretch, they're going to be okay. And they've gone three and four. Now the path to three and four was a little bit different than I expected, but the week that they just had at Alabama, at Tennessee, the toughest two-game stretch of the season for them. The next time that they have back-to-back road games is Vanderbilt and A&M. Vanderbilt's 91 in Ken Palm, and Texas A&M is 58. And then you have South Carolina and Kentucky in February that are back-to-back, but South Carolina is 109 in Ken Palm. Kentucky is 6. So that's your next two difficult stretches. You look at the schedule coming up, not that it's easy, but A&M at home, TCU on the road. Certainly eases up. Ole Miss... At home, Vandy on the road, AM on the road, Mississippi State at home, Georgia at home, South Carolina on the road. None of those teams are in the top 45 of Ken Palm. I'm so re- what you do in that stretch to me will tell the, season, the, the story of your season much more than this seven-game stretch, which we'll talk about a little bit and then look at the next stretch of games. But I, I'm good, man. Like I, I'm very, very confident in this team. I, I recognize the problems. The injuries haven't helped those problems. And... They have some things to fix, but I still feel good about this team. I'm going to read some numbers, and you tell me if this sounds like the the sky is falling. Still top 20 in the AP, still top 10 in the net, top 6 in the RPI, top 4 seed in the NCAA tournament as of today, number 11 overall in Kempom. So this is all after losing three straight games. So think about the potential of where this group could be by the end of the season, if healthy, and I see a big month of February on the horizon. Harrison, your turd polishing skills are fantastic. I'm you so proud of you. Shout out to uh, Natura Tacos. <laughs> I'm very, I don't even know what that means. Remember very... remember you went after that guy on Twitter? Oh, yeah. No, it's Nutria Tacos. Oh. oh, yeah. I forgot about that tweet. I could pull that up. Legendary tweet. What, what game was that after? It was after, I think it was after the Alabama game where LSU went on the road, lost 70-67. And of these three losses, the home loss to Arkansas the away loss at Tennessee, and then the Alabama loss sandwich in the middle. That Alabama loss to me was, after afterward, Will White said, like, this is as proud as I've been in my team all year. Like, we showed a lot of fight in this game. That was definitely the best one. I tweeted something after the game, like, look, th- without Pinson, without days for a long stretch of this game, this team took Alabama down to the wire, had a chance to win it. 
still feel good about the where they are. My outlook on on them hasn't changed. And some guy named Nutria Tacos was in my mentions. Like, I know you're a paid propaganda mouthpiece for the team, but blah 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 blah. I was like, hey, hey, pal. Uh, watch your it. mouth there. I loved it. Paid propaganda piece for the department. Let's be specific about our insults, please. Um, yeah, I love that. And for me, uh, the Arkansas, I know we, we sat together after the Arkansas loss and we, we know how Will kind of handles these losses very well. Um, and, and his outlook on the team. And for me, it was the Arkansas loss that kind of stung the most for me. Um, you know, if you finish that one off and kind of drop, you know, a pair to Alabama and Tennessee, you kind of, I think you have a, perspective around this team that is a lot less of you know the sky is falling and more positive from the fans um and i think it stings because if, if you, you you felt like you kind of had that one in the bag up eight with seven minutes to go i think it was um and that's one that you have to finish off so february you know they'll have a chance to make up some ground and um uh, chance to go on a run so i'm excited to kind of snowball some wins together Ironically, I'm texting Garrison Floyd right now, our uh, very talented video producer, uh, about a clip um, that's going to be on the latest episode of Gold Standard. But it's probably a good time to play it on this episode because like some of you listening right now are in the same boat as me and Harrison. Like, yeah, we recognize that the offense has some real issues. And without Pinson and without Days, who are both questionable for this A&M game, man, the offensive concerns are even greater. Um, but at the same time, like you recognize that three and four through this stretch the season's not over you've got a lot of work to do and and um, a lot of chance to make that run back into the top four of the sec get that double buy get a top four three seed in the ncaa tournament make a run at the sweet 16 is that formula that will wade always talks about of being consistent double buy for the sec sec tournament top four seed in the ncaa tournament give yourself a chance every year to make a run they're, 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 i think they can still get back there and i think they still will get back there but some of you are maybe like no you guys are you're, you're homers and this team's terrible and like everything's about to fall apart. And so to that first audience, stay with us. Okay. To the second audience, I think this clip is more oriented to you. And this is the clip that, uh, that, that Garrison was asking about. It's a minute long. So bear with me on the length of it. We don't have a dispatch today. Kent was just in here. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's got other things on his plates. So we're going to give him the week off from the dispatches, let the Colonel refocus game plan and we'll handle all the, the recapping um, but here is Will talking about the last week and how he feels about the team. Let me go back to the beginning of it. Here's Will Wade talking about the week at hand. Oh, shoot. We'll be all right. I mean, it's not. I don't look at it as difficulty. I look at it as opportunity. we got opportunity to get better. We're going to be really good when we get everybody back and rolling. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Uh, I mean, you know, before Penson went down, our best game of the year was that Tennessee game. We scored 79 points on the second-best defense in the country to ours. Like, we were moving, and we were moving in the right direction. And we've It's gonna. It's not like when we get these guys back, we're just automatically going to flip a switch and be right back where we were. You know, it's going to take some time to build back to, 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 to where we need to be. But um, I look at this as a great opportunity for us to, to get better. And, and, you know, I told you guys a couple weeks ago, like, we're built on a solid foundation. Like, we're fine. Nobody's panicking. Nobody's pointing fingers. Like, we're fine. Every, everybody's fine. Our program's fine. Our guys are good, and we're just gonna we're gonna dig our way out of it. You know, I told him yesterday the best views come from the roughest climbs. It's just the way it is. So we've got to we've got to you know we got to we got to keep climbing. We're gonna keep falling down a little bit. We got to keep climbing, keep climbing, keep climbing, and we'll like where we're at at the end. All right. So I just wanted uh, that's great. I think that's well said. The best views come from the roughest climbs. It's one of those beautiful Will Wade. Um, 
Will Wade isms that just succinctly get to the point, which I'm not good at, as you can tell as I'm rambling. I did a little research, Harrison. And so we know LSU's defense is great, right? As of right now, as I pull up KenPalm.com, LSU is still first in the country in adjusted defensive rating. Okay. Not only is LSU first in the country in adjusted defensive rating, they're the best defense in the Ken Palm era, which goes back to 2002 or the 2001 2002 season. So 20 plus seasons, uh, 20 seasons. And LSU is historically by far the best defense in that era. Okay. So just remember that. I know the offense is not good. They're 131st right now in adjusted offense. The next closest team that's in the top 30 is San Diego State. They have the number two defense in the country, and they're 179th in offense. And they're in the Mountain West, and they're 11 and 4. Okay. So LSU of the top 25 teams in Ken Palm, by far the worst offense, not even close. They got to fix some things. But their defense is historically great. I went back and looked at some other teams that have historically great defenses, or I shouldn't say historically great, the number one adjusted defense of each season the last couple seasons. Last year was Memphis. They did not make the tournament. UVA in 2020 lost three in a row and four of five, ended up making the tournament. Texas Tech in 2019, you know where they ended the season? Final four. National championship game. Lost three in a row in the middle of the season. Teams that have great defenses and less great offenses tend to go through these stretches. In fact, most teams, except for the top two or three teams in the country every season, have these stretches where they lose three of four, three in a row, four of five. It's just part of the trend. The the really good teams that make runs late in the season learn from them, improve from them, bounce back. Now, will LSU do that? I don't know. I can't guarantee that. But I think because their defense is historically great, and I think they'll fix some of these things offensively, and the schedule gets easier, I think they're going to get there, Harrison. Yeah, I think he, I think Will talked about today how they he thought it was their worst defensive game against Tennessee. I think they gave up a point per possession, which uh, is which is a really like on the season. I said it's zero point. It's eighty one point two is their adjusted defensive rating, right? That's zero point eight points per possession. And then he talked about how kind of um, the offense playing a role into the defense as well. The defense can only be so good when the offense performs like it has. So it kind of goes hand-in-hand, hand, and, and he he wants to see some improvement of that on Wednesday. Um, on the last episode, we talked about Pinson... Two episodes ago. You forgot about what Wade unfiltered. About that. Um, wait, when's the next one, by the way? The next one is the first week of February. Okay, I got to go to that. I, hopefully, we've got a nice little winning streak going. Let's see. I think it's like February 2nd or 3rd, and we'll have played A&M at home, TCU on the road, Ole Miss at home. So hopefully, that's three wins in a row that we'll be talking about. So on two episodes ago, we talked about Pinson's impact, him like his X factor name. You also talked about yeah. how Gaines was kind of the X factor and the bellwether. Does his has Pinson's absence at all changed that in your mind? Yes. Okay. Pinson's absence to me changes everything. Um, two points. One, you talked about Will talking about how when the the defense struggles, it's harder on the offense. When the offense struggles, it's harder on the defense. I think that's an important point. He's talked about this in previous seasons. It. Offense and defense in basketball more than any other sport. So this is really a message for like the, the football fans who are coming to basketball and like LSU because they're good and they're winning and they're, you know, football is their first sport. In no sport is offense and defense more connected and correlated than basketball. So when your offense is struggling and you're not making shots, the other team doesn't have to take it out of the net. They can get the rebound and get the turnover and it creates easier offense for them and therefore harder defense for you on the other end, which then they score, and it makes it harder for you to score an offense because you have to take it out of the net. So it's very symbiotic and correlated. 
Um, which is why I feel good about where LSU is because they're so good defensively. I think they're going to get back to that establishing that side of the floor and it'll create some easier offensive opportunities for them. Now the Pinson piece. Yes, that completely changes everything because if you think about Gaines coming into the season, he was probably your fourth guard, mm-hmm. fifth guard. You had Miller, you had Pinson, you had Murray. Who am I missing? He was, so you'd have been your fourth guy. And now he's basically your lead guy with with Pinson out, with um, with Miller out for the season, and then with Murray playing off the ball, obviously. Both of those guys have had to step up into, into different roles, and it's almost interesting to contrast them, right, or compare them and contrast them, right? Murray's is much more like-for-like swap. It's He's very similar to Adam Miller. Big physical guard, can score, can knock down the outside shot, can get to the rim. A, a year less of experience, um, hadn't you know Adam Miller went through it in the in the Big Twelve, uh, Big Ten last year uh, for a very very good team. Played USA basketball, but Murray's done a really nice job. Like he's been one of the real if, bright spots. Yeah, if there's been a bright spot of the last three, it's, it's been Brandon Murray. We we actually talked about him. Uh, you sat next to me during the Tennessee game, and you pretty much told me like, think about how good. Murray is going to be down the line. He's only a freshman. He's already a stud. And, and I feel like your tagline for, for Jack Besh and football applies to him too. When, when, when the ball's in his hands, good things happen. Yeah, and the, the same thing that you just said there applies to Gaines too. Like he's going to get through this stretch that much better for having gone through it. Um, and like he's done some, some, some good things in recent games. I think he's hit a three in each of his last four games after he went, what, like 20-plus attempts from three um, with, without making one. Like he's hit... In the last four games, he's hit at least one. He hit three against Alabama. Played um, well enough to beat Arkansas. He, he played. My, I thought he played eyes. really well against Arkansas. He did have a couple turnovers, but Will had a good quote about him today. I might be able to pull it up. Let's see, because I think I clipped it. But he talked about Pinson, and he kind of compared him to, uh, excuse me, he talked about Gaines and compared him to, like, a middle reliever. This is another long clip, but I think it's um, it's super relevant because – it's the knock-on effect, right? And it's that when you have the knock-on effect, you don't use it as an excuse. You just need time to adapt when things change. And I think Gaines is a uh, really good example of that. You know, like Gaines is built for speed. Well, he can't play at the speed that we need him to play at for 35 minutes. He could do that for 18 to 20 minutes, which is what we want him to do. When you play, when, when we're playing him an extended amount of time, you know, he's got to change speeds. He's got It's a totally different ball game, being a change of pace guard. Versus, it's like being a middle reliever versus a closer it's just, it's, or, or a starter. It's just very, very different, and, and they're all pitchers, just like they're all point guards, but they're very, very different in how they all go about it be like asking a middle reliever to start and go nine innings I mean it's that's hard to do um that's not what they're trained to do but you know I, I think like I said I think he's getting better and I think he's learning uh I think he's learning more but yeah we're I wouldn't look at it as we're in a pinch we just can't do exactly what we've been working on all the time all year and so we just need some time to to flip it and yesterday we had a little bit of time to flip some of our stuff philosophically until we can get everybody back. And, you know, there's only, you know, like I said, we got to simplify. There's only two or three things we could flip. There's about 20 things I'd like to, I'd like to, to change that would, that would help tweak, tweak a lot of stuff for us. But we fixed two or three things and hopefully that'll be enough to get us through the week. And then we'll see where we're at at the end of the week. And we'll put some duct tape on the next, the next holes that, you know, that, that, that open up at the end of the week. Gaines is obviously playing a little out of position and, and being asked to do some things that he not, isn't normally to do. I think it's that. It's not out of position. He's a point guard, but he's a he is a 
get up and go point guard yeah. as opposed to a he's a 20 minute a game 25 minute a game point guard as opposed to a 32 minute a game point guard um but it, he also had a good quote about just the importance of, of or the absence of x's there's really no substitute for uh experience so i thought that was another good quote es- especially like not to not to hammer this point home but the of, of the three losses you just had like arkansas the arkansas loss you can't have you can't lose those games now the reason you, I guess, you could quote unquote afford it is that you went to Florida and won, but Florida has dropped to forty second in Ken Palm. They've they're three and four in the SEC as well, so it's still a good win. But you, the Arkansas loss is the one that that plagues you, right? Because you go to Alabama, you're not favored to win that. You go to Tennessee, you're not favored to win that. You're down some guys, you're beat up. That's understandable. It's the Arkansas one that doesn't give you the margin for error for last week that it's that's hurting and, and it's crazy to think that the difference between four and three and three and four would be that drastic but like i'm looking at ken palm now and this is again i know i always talk about ken palm i've mentioned him a hundred times in this episode rule number six always reference ken palm and if you're at listening at home and you took a shot every time i said ken palm then you'd not survive to the end of the episode but you look at lsu's next how many games are left eight eleven and they've got lsu going ten and one in that eleven game stretch like that's, you take that. You 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 would take. Let me do my math again. It's twelve games. I mean, you you would you would take one loss the rest of the way. Now, is that going to happen? No. Is that what the computers are predicting? Yes. So, you're 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 in a perfect position to accomplish everything you want to, but you do have to fix those things. So, should we just talk about the things that have to be fixed now? Since we've been sure, we, all, we now have our sixth rule in our Ten Commandments to boot up. <laughs> I haven't been keeping track. I hope you have. That's. Rule number seven, Harrison's the one that keeps up with the rules. Um, the issues. Let's not even talk about Days and Pinson and their injuries necessarily. Let's just talk about the larger trends we saw over the last three weeks. I'll, I'll go first. If you want. Okay. Yeah. So I just think like offensively, I think Murray talked about this after the game against Tennessee. It's just been stagnant. Like there hasn't been much movement. I think Pinson's absence obviously has a lot to do with that. There's not much cutting there's not much pace uh the pace isn't what they should it should be and i think what will talked about the change of direction change of pace he wants to see more of that and there wasn't a ton it felt like they were just coming down the floor and, and shooting up shots and they got some good looks they just the the, the shots have not been falling the last couple of games um and i know coach talked about today how he would like to see them get more shots um they're not out shooting teams at the rate they should be so yes, that's to me that's the first and most correctable problem is the turnovers. So LSU on the season is turning the ball over on twenty point six. Well, their turnover percentage is twenty point six. It's two hundred and eighty first in the country. If you limit that to just SEC games, it's twenty three point four percent, which is thirteenth in the SEC. To me, that's the biggest reason why their offense and SEC play is. 14th in the SEC in offensive efficiency. They turn the ball over a ton. Now, they, they haven't been a great offensive rebounding team in SEC play. Um, they're 11th in off- offensive rebounding percentage, but they have guys who can offensive rebound. Like, in Tari Eason can go grab an offensive rebound. Days is in the game. He can go get an offensive rebound. Fudge can get on the glass. Efton Reed can get on the glass. They have guys that can do it. Mawani can do it. They're just turning the ball over before they have the chance to even get a shot up. So you have to cut that down. That's the, that's the first start and where where will highlighted today in his press conference was the transition turnovers mm-hmm. which are like doubly well, painful slowing it down calming down 
Yeah, and like you want to push and transition, especially this team, because in the half court they're they're not strong offensively with your with your skilled players out. Like we'll talked about the roster construction today, and it was supposed to be a team that had a good combination of skill and athleticism. Well, without Miller, without Days, without Pinson, your three most skilled offensive players. So now you're you're taking those out of the equation and you're leaving the athletic players in the equation. Well, they have the athleticism, but not the skill. So you want to the the, the developed skill, I should say. They all have skill, which hasn't been fully developed yet. So now you want to, all right, let's get some easy buckets. Let's go in transition. Well, they're getting out in transition and then coughing it up, which then is doubly painful because now not only are you not getting the attempt on goal that you need, you're giving the other team a head of steam going the other direction as you're moving the other direction. In soccer, that's called a counterattack, right? You're getting counterattacked to death. And so that hurts your defense. It hurts your offense. It all fits together in that, in that same piece. So that's... To me, that's the biggest issue. I think it's pretty correctable. Like maybe you just slow things down and you don't worry about it. Like we're not going to worry about the, off, the the transition buckets. We'll take those out of the equation. We'll take when we can get them, but it's not going to be a priority. Get in the half court, run something, get a shot up and go get it. Did you see after the Tennessee game, He, I think the two main things he talked about were change of personnel and change of offensive play calling? Yes, I did, I, I did you, see that. What, what yeah. do you think the change of personnel means? Like different lineups yeah i mean you you probably start tar eason like when you're when you're when you're and we talked about that today too and i need to i need to own up for bad podcasting so far i keep talking about the offensive skill and your most skilled players being out well tar eason is he's the guy right he is your most skilled offensive player he's your dominant offensive threat so i apologize for leaving him out for the first 23 minutes of the episode um it's bad podcasting that's an l for me but i'm gonna bounce back just like the team i'm gonna keep climbing um he he's got to be your guy, right? So he's on the season. He's play, he's played fifty seven percent of the minutes. Um, he's going to have to play more minutes. He's been at twenty eight, thirty one, twenty six, seven. God, that game, the uh, Florida. Well, he's he's been sitting for like the Don't first about the fish two. Cody. Don't do it. Don't the do first it. two minutes, then coming in right away. So it means you might as well. He's been a he's been a starter for you, but now he's got to be a starter for you. Um, and he and look, he's he's had some good offensive games. He had twenty six against Alabama. Um, he had 16 and six against Tennessee against Arkansas. He, um, he, he that was probably a, a down game for him, but he had 24 against Tennessee or like he's got, he's got to not be your guy. All right. Tari will run things through you. You're the guy you're coming, you're starting to me. That's probably where it starts. And maybe it's, I don't know. Is it gay gains at the one Murray at the two Mwani at the three Tari and days together. If days isn't healthy, then it's Tari and, Efton and you bring bring in Fudge pretty quickly. Like they've got they've got to piece it together. But yeah, I think that's that's probably the change. Now the change in offensive play calling, uh, I don't know. I know Will has a ton of sets. Um, the sets that he has prioritized this season, while well, the guys that they're prioritized for, other than Eason, are not there. So yeah, I'm sure they'll they'll adjust that and adapt that. But the word that he kept saying was simplify, and so I don't know if that means simplifying the play calling, simplifying the actions getting into more of a, you know, they're not going to change who they are, but maybe you could do some things to, um, the, the way that I said it on radio earlier today, I was on with Hunt, on Hunt and Hill, and I was like, look, you you don't have to score. You're not going to go from a team that scores 55 points a game to 75 points a game. Yeah. You're not going to go from 138th in offense to a top 25 offense, but you can get six to eight more points a game through better possessions, fewer turnovers, and that's all this team needs. Like with the, the combination of the difficulty of the stretch they just went through, those issues, the six to eight points they're costing themselves and giving to the opponent, like you you make the schedule slightly easier, 
and stop shooting yourself in the foot and you're going to be fine. Yeah, we talked about Murray being one of the positives of the three-game stretch, but there's also that you know resiliency that they showed during the three games that um, was maybe the takeaway for me too. I think um, they battled and fought back from, from Alabama until the very end. They were down 14 nothing against Tennessee and clawed back uh, to make a game. So there's certainly a ton of fight in this group, and once they get healthy, watch out. I know Easton said they'll, they'll be a machine. What other issues have you seen, Harrison, that they can, especially offensively, de- defensively, like they didn't play great defense against Tennessee, but Te- for me, Tennessee, I mean, what was the offensive rebounding numbers? Let's go pull it up. I felt like they gave up a lot of free offensive rebounds. Uh, LSU had eight offensive rebounds, but Tennessee had nine. Oh, maybe not. I mean, not, nine is more than you want to give up. Let's look back at the Alabama game. I feel like Alabama got them on the glass, too, a little bit. Whew, a little bit. My memory's so bad for this stuff. 19 offensive rebounds against Alabama. Whew. 19. And when Shackelford and Quinterly are shooting as well as they did, particularly yeah. early in the game. Three points. That's uh, That comes back to get you. And, and that's what Will said after the Arkansas game, too, is that the rebounding caught up to us. Uh, Arkansas had... 13 offensive rebounds in that game. So trending in the right direction with only giving up nine uh, against Tennessee. But like you look ahead to A&M and A&M is a really good offensive rebounding team. They're, you know, top 50 in the country. They've got a green highlight next to them on Ken Palm, which means they're good at it. Um, they, they, they force a lot of turnovers on defense. They're 11th in the country and turnover percentage forced defensively. So, and plus they're 15 and four and four and two. And, it makes for a tough matchup against LSU, but to me, that's probably the two biggest areas, right, is you clean up turnovers and you you win the offensive glass battle and don't get beat on the defensive glass. Um, that's probably the next step for this team because the rest, they are who they are, and you're not going to change your stripes overnight, but there are things that you can clean up, and to me, that's probably the two areas that you can clean up most. Yeah, Aggies are having a good start to the year. Um, defensively, top 30 in the country. Uh Buzz Williams seems to have a lot of options on any given night. I know Will Wade talked about that, how they got a lot of guys who can score and, and win them a ball game. So it'll be another tough battle tomorrow, but every game is when you're in when you're in league play. Yeah, and so we've we've kind of looked back at the last seven games, and, and I think it's worth looking ahead. I, I did it briefly earlier to the games that are coming up because right now you're fifteen and four overall. You're three and four in the conference. And just looking at the SEC standings, Auburn is is starting to pull away from the pack. They're the number one team in the country now. Um, that's kind of how I felt about Auburn all season long. Um, that they were um, sort of not, not that, that they were the clear um, they, they were the best team in the conference, in, in my opinion. And they're playing like that so far. And now that they're um, so far out of reach that LSU can't catch up, but they're seven and zero in the conference right now. Uh, Kentucky's next at, at fifteen and four. Uh, and five and two in the conference, but there's there's a log jam between Kentucky at five and two, and really LSU at three and four, Florida at three and four, Bandy, South Carolina, Missouri. This this is the separating phase, right? So the first seven games is kind of you know equated to a 400 yard dash. You got somebody setting the pace at Auburn, you've got the other groups kind of right there on their tail, maybe a little bit back, and now this is where the separation begins. And to me, this next seven eight, really, I mean, I'll count them out. Texas A&M, TCU, Ole Miss, Vandy, A&M again, Mississippi State, Georgia, South Carolina. That next eight games right there, that you're favored in all of them, that's going to tell the story of your season. Can you win seven of those eight? Can you win all eight? Can you be, like, you win all eight, you're 23 and four, 10 and four in the SEC. Like, you're battling for a, a two seed or a three seed. If you win seven of them, you're in a pretty good spot. 
anything less than that. And you're kind of, you know, you're still in the tournament picture, but your, your seating isn't where you want to be. So it's, that's where we're going to figure out. Is this a team that's competing for a two seed or a three seed in the NCAA tournament with a chance to be a favorite to get to the sweet 16 or, and then they're getting a double buy in the sec tournament or, are they more like last year's team where it's that six to eight seed and you get a tough matchup and it's really matchup dependent? That's where we're going to figure out. Now to zoom back on all of that, like I know there's people that are upset, three losses in a row. This this is this is the floor of the team right now. Like this is the floor of the program. They're comfortably in the NCAA tournament. They're competing for a top two or three seed. Like and that's let's why, have some perspective. That's why those wins over Penn State and overtime and Wake Forest and those. Who's those, 28, 28 yeah, in Kim Bomber right now? Forest, Wake Forest. Yep. Uh, th- those ones proved to be so big. Seven and three you had, ACC. You, you had to get those early in the season because you knew that this seven-game stretch was going to be a bear, and they gutted those ones out, so th- those those were huge. Yeah, so we'll learn a lot about this team over the next couple of weeks. It's January 25th today. By February 19th, the next four weeks, like we'll know what this team is. And then in that last little stretch of games with... Kentucky on the road, Missouri at home, Arkansas on the road, Alabama at home. Whoo, that Alabama game at home is going to be lit. For the final game of the season? Or for yeah. the regular season? Yeah, that that four, kind of four-game um, four sequence at the end will be about solidifying where you are. But this next eight games, LSU's got a chance to steady the ship, reestablish their identity defensively as the best defensive team in the country this season and historically, and then offensively just stop shooting yourself in the foot. Don't beat yourself. Don't be yourself, especially with the opponents coming up that you should be uh, in terms of talent, even with days and pencing out, you should be neck and neck, if not a head above. How many consecutive weeks have they held the top spot in for adjusted defensive rating on Ken Palm? It, it's a good question. I don't know. I'd have to look at, um, I don't even know if you can check like week by week data. Um, maybe I could export it, but a, a better way of answering that question or a different way to answer it. They are so far ahead as the number one d- defense in the country. Like, not only this season, if you look back at all the best defenses of the last 20, 20 seasons, I think they're like three or four percentage points ahead, which is a significant gap. Just to give you context, LSU this year is number one in uh, adjusted defensive efficiency, 81.2 points per 100 possessions allowed, adjusted for difficulty of opponent. The next closest team is San Diego State. They're at 86.3. It's 5.1 percentage points away. So like the gap between one and two is 5.1 percentage points. The gap between two and three is 0.3 percentage points. The gap between two and 10 is 2.9 percentage points. Like they are, they're not just the best defense in the country. They are comfortably the best defense in the country and comfortably the best defense in the country over the last 20 seasons. So I I know it's, it's been frustrating to with the offensive struggles. Um, It's a flawed, imperfect team, but they're really, they're elite defensively. And so I think that will take care of them through this this stretch coming up. Now, I could be wrong. We can come back next week, and things could have gone off the train tracks, I guess, but I still still feel good about this team. Like I, I think they're going to be fine. What are you looking for uh, tomorrow night? I know less turnovers, more fluidity on offense. What, what are you going in there looking for? I think it might be a slower pace. I think they might take the air out of the ball a little bit on offense. Um, there's a couple ways to approach turnovers. Either you slow get, slow the game down, get into offense, stop turning it over in transition, or you simplify on offense, more ball screens, less passing, decrease the opportunity for turnovers, or like you just give the ball to Tari and like let him ISO, um, which they may do. And Will's done that in the past with his best players, ISO. That's why last year's team like never turned the ball over because they just ISOed all the time. And when you ISO, what were they in turnover percentage last year? They were 
19th in the country in turnover percentage. This year, they're 281st. They may go more ISO. Whatever it is, I think they're going to slow it down and simplify it offensively and then defensively just grind you. And if they got to win 55-52 slugfests for the next couple weeks, that's what they got to do. But I think this, these guys are up for the challenge. Uh, I think that's the place, the style of a Gaines, of a Murray. Um, you going to be there tomorrow morning? I will be there. 8 o'clock. I'm excited. 8 o'clock tip-off. I'm excited. They're, I think they're going to right the ship and start getting this rolling back in the right direction. And I think when we record the next episode, um, we'll be having a different conversation about the trend turning the other way. And if we're not, I'll eat my words. And I thought it was a pretty positive podcast considering three losses. I can, me and you can polish the turn. Man. We're, getting, we're getting good at this we're thing. Good. We're getting good at this thing. No, I, I wouldn't say, look, I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. I wouldn't say it if I didn't think it. And I'll be the first to say when I come back for the next episode or two episodes from down, if I've been wrong, hey, raise my hand and say I was wrong. But I still feel good about where this team is because of their defensive ability, because of who Will is as a coach and the confidence I have in him as a coach. And because the schedule is going to ease up just a little bit. It ain't easy. Still got good teams to beat. Built on a rock-solid foundation. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about the foundation of the program. I still feel good about where this team is going. And uh, and so we'll we'll end on that note and get out of here. Let's Harrison. Go a, let's go get a dub. Let's go get a dub. Good to catch up with you. Uh, we'll be back probably after, let's see, it's A&M, TCU, and then Ole Miss is on Tuesday. So maybe we come back next Wednesday. We'll have three games to discuss, three wins for the Tigers. Everybody will be booting up. We'll be back. Uh, shortly after that at uh, at walk-ons doing another Will Wade unfiltered. And he'll be in a good mood with three wins under his belt. So, Sounds good. Harrison, appreciate your time. Give them, give them their homework assignments. Rate, review. Is that what I'm doing? Yeah, I'll rate. put you on the spot. Yeah, All right. Rate, spot. review, subscribe, boot up the LSU Basketball Podcast wherever you consume your podcast. Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever. Give us a rate. Leave a review. Subscribe. It would be of great help. Boot up. Way to polish that turd, Harrison. Thank you. See you all next time.